Thank you so much for staying with us. We're going into the audit now and we are discussing a paper that was delivered um, very, very recently in discussing how parents actually prefer in this country, parents prefer their children to be taught in English. I was quite shocked by that. And uh, it's a paper that was uh, uh, published very, very recently. And I wanted to get to the bottom of what this actually means. Uh, we've been advocating for children to be educated in their mother tongue. Um, experts are telling us that this is the best kind of outcome we can get if we want children to be a proficient in many, many of these subjects, the best thing to do is to go with the mother tongue. In fact, experts around the world agree this is the way to go. But South Africans have decided, I think uh, more than 50% of them have decided that um, being taught in English is preferable for their children. I've got guests on the stu in the studio. Jacqueline Harvey, who's a researcher, Human Sciences Research Council, and uh, coming to us from our Durban studio, Dr. Alude Mahali, co-author of the book Studying While Black, um, which looks at, amongst others, the issue of language and higher education. And uh, we're also going to try and see if we can't get hold of Hendrik Maganete, who's an education expert. I thank you very much for joining us uh, in studio there in, in um, Durban. And I hope you can hear me well. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, we can hear you perfectly. Thanks. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having us. So, I mean, I was quite shocked by um, what I was reading. And if you can just maybe take us into the actual study and what it actually came out with. So how many of our South African parents prefer their children to be taught in English? We use data from the South African Social Attitude Survey for the study. Mm. Uh, because it is a national representative sample, it uh, looks at all adults from the age of 16 and up. So it's not only parents, it's also people who are still going through their education. Mm. And in each round of the survey, which has been annually conducted since 2003, they are asked, what do you think should be the main language of instruction in grades 1 to 3, grades 4 to 9, grades 10 to 12, and in higher education? I mean, Dr. Mahali, were you surprised by this? I was certainly surprised. Um, no, I think, yeah, it's a, probably your natural instinct to be surprised. I think I tend to be a little bit frustrated, not so much surprised. Mm. Um, because when you think about it, these attitudes stem from the home. They stem from um, the actual resources that are available for mother tongue education. They stem from a lack of buy-in from our government. They, stay, they stem from um, a lack of capacity in our schools and higher education institutions. So when you think about all those factors, um, no, it's not so surprising. Let, let's go into that. Let's go into why people think it's better to teach their children in, in English. And just Jacqueline, for, for, for the context of the people who responded to your survey, what did they highlight? So in 2003, about half of the population did say that they preferred English for the foundation phase. And this was a strong uh, a trend that showed all the way up until 2016. And then in each, higher found, in each higher phase of the education system, the preference for English grew more and more strong. You know, um, there are all sorts of things, and and some of the things that are from your um, from your, from your research paper that were highlighted was just opportunities not being accessible to people who did not study in English as 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 the first language. Um, I know that in South Africa's lived experience, it's to, it's true. What is it going to take, Dr. Mahadi, to to try and 
change this tide where opportunities are presented to everybody who is adequate to do the job, not necessarily because of the language? Um, I think it is changing. I think we must also shine the spotlight on the individuals and institutions that are working really hard to reverse um, some of this linguistic injustice. I can highlight just a few, um, for instance, UKZN, um, Rhodes, UCT, a lot of individual professors, educators and the institution themselves are really um, uh, walking the talk, you know, they're developing terminology for indigenous, indigenous languages, they're, they're, they're developing corpora um, for teaching in, in, in indigenous languages. They are making it fun and interactive and appealing to young people. Um, you know, you were asking earlier what some of the reasons are mm. for, for a lack of take up around these things. When you think about it, parents, all parents, um, they want their kids to be globally mobile. They want their kids to have um, social currency to be able to navigate in the world. And language is a huge aspect of that. Mm. Um, and so if parents themselves are informed about the advantages of mother tongue or bilingual or multilingual education, um, where does that leave, you know, young people themselves who are watching American television, who are watching, yep. listening to British music and, and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the issues that we have to contend with. And also, realistically, a lack of support in higher education and, and, and at school level as well. Uh, we've got Hendrik Maganeta, who is now uh, joining us on the line, on uh, an education expert. And, and I want to speak to exactly those things that you were just speaking to, uh, Dr. Mahadi, about access to number one resources, people being better equipped to do what they need to do. Uh, how real is this lack of uh, number one resources and the people to educate people in their mother tongue? Dr. Hendrik, is Hendrik on the line? Yes, yes, I'm on the line. Thank what? you very much indeed. And let me also greet the listeners. Well, uh, I think that as it stands, the education system in South Africa still faces, uh, you know, a wide range of challenges in as, in as far as uh, developing African lang languages is concerned. We still have a challenge in a sense that uh, when you look at the school uh, schooling system, Grade four learners are expected to now start studying in English, and uh, you know something that they are not used to, and that is why they experience difficulties. You know they are unable to read for meaning as it stands, as researchers have already shown. But we we think that uh, I, I think that uh, it is going to be necessary that uh, the primary focus should not only be on uh, African languages but also. English, as uh, you know, the recent speaker has said, so that our learners and you know, as future role players in the economy, can be able to interact with the international community, the global community, community as such. But at the same time, uh, it is very important for them to know their roots. But the other emphasis that we are not looking at is the money or the resources that are needed to develop these languages, because. If you look at Africans, for example, as a language in South Africa, it took uh, Africaners almost 30 years to develop uh, their language into uh, the language of economy. You know, they've got institutions, they built institutions over a long period of time. And I think uh, for us as well, it's a, it's a huge task that we face. Uh, government has got a huge task uh, uh, to do because we've got uh, 11 official languages in, in South Africa. So... Uh, if it took uh, Afrikaners just uh, more than 30 years just to develop one language, uh, how 
many years uh, are we going to need? And, and how much more resources do we need? I think that we need to invest a lot in the development of uh, African languages. Can we talk to, I mean, this is a question to any one of you who wants to pitch in. Just what it means for a child not to be having that opportunity to, to, to learn in their mother tongue. Cognitively, what is the disadvantage there? Dr. Mahadi? It's Jackie. Jackie, Harvey. go ahead. So there, there are very big benefits to have, being a bilingual learner, and those are true cognitively. They have a stronger memory, stronger attention. And when you are not able to learn in your home language first, where you transition to English too soon, you do not get the benefits of being able to think in your home language and have the oral proficiency that you've grown up with. And this can be a huge detriment to your future learning. Well, I, mean, I think, yes, go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead. I think for me, that question, I can answer it from, I suppose, a, um, a socio-political mm. standpoint. Mm. Uh, 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 one that speaks to kind of the future of nation building and social cohesion in this country, these buzzwords, you know, that we love to throw around, yeah. is that it, it, it's, I think it's deeply um, disconcerting that the same children who were racially and linguistically privileged during apartheid um, schooling, um, that is home languages of English and Afrika- home language speakers of English and Afrikaans, continue to be privileged um, post-apartheid. Uh, the lack of recognition of, of, of mostly black children's linguistic resources because of the dominance of English in our schools is another form of racism and something that really has to change. And I mean, we we as a, what I wanted to touch on is just how it disadvantages those children. Um, Absolutely, from the very onset, because what we haven't even touched on is nuance and interpretation. So, how the brain interprets certain things in a specific language, it's because a specific language is geared towards certain things. So, let me give you an example. So, for instance, if the color, if we're learning color at grade zero level or grade one level, and you grew up understanding the color, let's say uh, green, in some languages, say maybe Sotho group languages, you could have the same term being used for green and blue, right? And not feel that there is anything wrong with that. You just have to elaborate on it. And yet when you go and switching into English, those are two different words completely. What I'm trying to say is that children learn from where their base is, where their roots are. And if you disenfranchise them in that way, you're almost starting them from scratch. And I think you're really touching on something critical that Jackie can expound on in a moment, um, is that you're really hinting at us um, needing to stop view viewing language as a problem. Mm-hmm. The fact that we... Um, do come with all of our languages as young black children um, should be seen as a as a resource and not a problem. And and when we talk about language and viewing it as three orientations, as a problem, as a right, and as a resource, oftentimes our our challenge as South Africans is that we're constantly viewing it um, as as a as a problem, as opposed to a very rich um, resource that we should be uh, exploiting. Mm, Jacqueline, uh, yes, just to take up on that, we. We, as monolinguals who are English speakers, will never have the exact same experiences as the bilingual learners we have in this country and the multilingual learners. So if you, for example, take someone who only speaks English and they want to go practice as a doctor or anything, they actually have a deficit because they can't relate to people in the same way or even speak the same language. So we need to have 
value of all our languages and what they mean for us as a country. Um, Hendrik, I'm going to bring you in here because I think at the at where you are, you get to see the cold face of what it means for a child to be transitioned from where their home language has been just what they, you know, they've been using from grade zero to grade four, you are saying, and then that jump from grade four to grade five, where now suddenly everything changes, how that impacts on their child and how it changes, number one, grades and so on of those children. Well, uh, you know, the issue of language is a serious cause for concern for our learners in this country. Mm. That is why, uh, you know, it impacts negatively on them in a sense that, uh, you know, they are unable to catch up. Uh, you know, all, they are used to the, their mother tongue when they are still in grade three. And once they transition into grade four and grade five, then it's a different story altogether. That is why you, you find that uh, a child who is learning mathematics and science, you know, ha- has to grapple with uh, both the, the, the mathematics as a language and, and the English language at the same time. So the child is actually faced with uh, two languages, you know, the language of mathematics and, and English as a language, the language of instruction. And you will recall that uh, the studies that were done recently in fact, as far back as uh, 2011, the trends in uh, international mathematics and science studies, where uh, learners, uh, South African learners took part, you know, uh, it was discovered that uh, South Africa remains at the bottom of the list of other countries of the world when it comes to the performance in math and science. It is precisely because of the language issue that uh, our learners are not able to compete, uh, you know, on the same level with uh, their in the international community. Well, and, uh, yeah. as long as this uh, issue of language is not fully addressed, we'll com- continue to see them, you know, uh, falling behind. And that is why even those who arrive at university often, uh, you know, uh, end up dropping out. Because some of the experts, you know, like, for example, the philosophers such as uh, uh, Vygotsky, once indicated that, uh, you know, in order for children to learn better, the education that you give them should they, they should be on the same uh, level, you know. You can't, for for example, you can't teach grade ten mathematics to a child who is developmentally in grade six. You know, there is no point teaching such a child because this child developmentally is still at a lower level. So hence, they won't be able to grasp the the the, the concept that you are trying to teach them. So amongst others. Language plays a very uh, crucial role, and unless it is fully addressed, will continue to fall behind the second. I, in fact, I want to say it plays a, a, a massive role because, and, and any one of you can chip in here, Dr. Mahali, because I imagine concepts. We've spoken now about maths and science. If I can go home to if I live with a grandparent, for argument's sake, right? My mother is away and I go home and I am struggling with a concept, a mathematical concept, and I can discuss it with my grandmother, who obviously through life experience maybe can explain it further. But if language in itself is a barrier, there's no way I can even grasp and take some of those learnings and that experience and build onto that as a concept, as a mathematical concept or scientific concepts, which people who do well in these concepts are people who use them in life experience or understand that they're also part and parcel of life. 
I'm going to defer to... I'm yes. going to defer to Jackie here because she's actually one of the core team members of the Trends in Maths and Science study um, mm. run by the HSRC. Yes. Um, Jackie, you want to go into that? We have written on the role of language in science and we, our results did show exactly this, that if there is an incongruency between the home language and the language of instruction, then your scores in science were decreased. But I want to point out here that although language is a huge factor, and as you say, it, if you cannot get assistance from someone or if you are trying, struggling to build on what you already know, then, sorry, I'm not going to drain a thought, um, then you, you also need to take into account the context around that. Mm -hmm. So because of, of our history, you often find that learners who speak African languages are going to poor quality schools. They do not have the good resources, the access to the better qualified teachers, and all of that also plays a role. So when we wrote these studies, it wasn't just language we were looking at. We looked at the socioeconomic status. Um, we looked at the resources in the home, and all of that plays a role. So we can't isolate language. It's a social structure. It's a cognitive structure. It's a cultural structure. And I just want to elaborate on something Henrik um, allu um, alluded to, which is quite critical. And that's the disconnect, I think, because between mm. what we're seeing, the, pra the language practices that we see at secondary level mm. and then the language practices that we see at um, tertiary. When, um, you know, there's a complete disconnect. It's almost as if mm. there's a complete lack of communication between those um deciding on policy at that level and those at higher education and you still see that the problems persist you know you go to a higher education institution with all these beautiful flowery language policies that mm. say that these are multilingual institutions where you know the language of instruction and 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 business um is in multiple languages and in practice that's not the case and it has huge effects on students ability not only to perform academically but it also affects their ability to interact with administrators with management with support support services mm. and other help seeking behavior as well as you know socializing and making friends um, so so that disconnect is another one of a huge um, issue and our lack of creativity around policy right, thinking so our, around policy our conversation is around learning in mother tongue and uh, what it means uh, in this country where you've got there was a survey that was done where people parents and learners themselves chose English to be the language uh, preferred language of instruction which is a concern uh, in a country where we know that many South Africans are, are not necessarily born speaking English. So it is of a concern that this is the case, but we are unpacking that forward and uh, we will be taking your calls on 0891 Are you surprised by that? I certainly was. Life Happens with Pinelo Mudine. All right, so I did ask for your calls, and I will take them on 891 We're discussing a research that was done where... Um, people were asked whether they prefer their mother tongue to be the language of instruction or English. And the majority of people said they prefer to be uh, taught in English. Those are students who are still in, in tertiary education and so on. And then uh, parents as well, uh, whose children are still in school. I was alarmed by this, but uh, I've got three experts in studio. Uh, Jacqueline Harvey, who's a researcher at the Human Sciences Research Council in our Durban studio. Dr. Alude Mohadi, who is a co-author of the book Studying While Black.
and Hendrik Makaneta, who's an education expert. So I've got an SMS. I want to read this to you guys. It says, where do these experts uh, get their findings from when the market demands proficiency in the former colonizers language English? And that's an SMS from Joe. Who wants to respond to that? Jacqueline? Uh, sure, I'll take that one. <laughs> All right. So, uh, first of all, our data did come from a national survey, so it comes from South Africans themselves. And also, I, w- I would like to state that we're not saying English is the best way forward or anything like that. What we really do propose in the article is bilingual education. So, it would be proficiency in both the language, African languages as well as in English, so that learners have the resources at their fingertips and then they can take that forward into the economic world or however they would like to move forward. Also, I think people just need to be mindful of some of the limitations of quantitative data. You know, you're asking people very specific questions and they have multiple choice or, or, you know, Options, strat- yeah. options to choose from and you know sometimes with more qualitative in-depth studies once upon further probing um, you, you find that once people have to sit and think about it they might change their mind or have different um, answers or once they are empowered with knowledge in certain areas it might shift the way they think about other things so we must just be mindful that there are at times limitations around these very kind of rigid um, surveys so we, we've identified the issues here and and the fact that resources and uh, you know teachers who are uh, proficient in trying to get this work done are just lacking. What needs to be done, Hendrik? Well, uh, my view is that uh, just also going a little bit back to your earlier uh, observation or the research that was done. Mm. I mean, parents see uh, they watch TV all the time. They see the president of the country who happens to be a, a, a vendor, a, 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 you know, by origin, who was born speaking vendor. They see him speaking English all the time in parliament, presenting the State of the Nation address. They watch TV and they see all of these people speaking in, in English. So they believe that, uh, you know, English will be better for their children because, you know, that's what everybody uh, speaks, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they also know that uh, companies uh, that are owned, are owned, most of them come from abroad, and they are owned by people who speak English. And in order for these people to hire their children, their children have to understand the language of the employer. Why? You know, they buy equipment which come, uh, the manual is in English, and you know, they see a future for their children when their children know and understand English. Why do we choose to see only that which suits our idea? Because Germany doesn't do that. The German uh, president, chancellor, does not speak in English. Um, Many, many countries, many, many countries which are successful don't do. The French president doesn't do that. So the example that English is the only way to take us into the greater future. I mean, we are not quite looking at the world holistically, are we? Uh, I'm going to give you a few minutes to respond uh, because we we need to wrap it up. Of of course not. We are not looking at the world uh, holistically which is also another cause for concern. Mm. Uh, because English is just one language, there are others as well. But I think we need to invest in our languages, and that will take resources, like I said, uh, and time, you know, to develop them. Because we have quite a, a number of them, uh, you know. But at the same time, Pimelo, we, we should not do this in the context of 
going back to what Sir Wood wanted. You know, we don't want to create uh, vendor universities, uh, Tsonga, Corsa universities out there. We want to integrate uh, these languages to make sure that at the end of the day, we are able to utilize them holistically, but also integrated. How easy is that going to be to, to achieve, Dr. Mahadi? It just needs uh, sufficient buy-in from our government. You know, in the Department of Arts and Culture, there's um, a, a department called the National Language, Language Service whose mandate it is to be making all of our languages, um, languages that we see being brought up to prominence in our media, in politics, in government offices, so that these become everyday languages of practice, of communication, of socializing. And as Hendrix just rightly pointed out um, as well, this will take a tremendous amount of um, investment to spill over to our to our schools and um, sociologist Kathleen Hill actually did research showing that um, in, in as a rebuttal to this idea that this would be so costly and we don't have the budgets to do that that it would actually be less than two percent of our country's education bu- budget mm-hmm. and could be recovered within five years if we actually did make an effort to invest in in these kinds of programs so the whole idea that we can't afford it is a myth in my opinion and then finally just to close I would say that we need to do better at education educating not only parents, but ordinary South Africans, young people who are ill-informed about the advantages of mother tongue being used as as a medium of instruction to get out of that inferiority complex of thinking our languages are less than and and, and for the research data and results to be made explicitly clear to say if we are talking about efficiency of learning and cognitive development, then mother tongue should be the medium of instruction. Jackie, how has this research been received by government specifically? I think overall the government has made huge commitments this year to using language, the mother tongue language in education. We saw it in the State of the Nation address. We've seen it in the Department of Basic Education's um, annual plan. And recently they've ha- they've had many uh, meetings about taking reading comprehension and ensuring that all children are able to read for meaning in both English and in African language. And obviously using the correct language of instruction is a big part of that. Really appreciate the time that you've given us uh, to all my guests, Hendrik Maganeta, who's an education expert, Dr. Alude Mahadi, co-author of the book Studying While Black, and Jacqueline Harvey, who's a researcher at the Human Sciences Research Council, who put together that survey that stated that a uh, majority of South Africans would prefer their children to be taught in English rather than in their mother tongue. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank you for tuning in. It's three o'clock. Let's do this again tomorrow at one. It's three. Let's go to Uzi Lesaku for the latest in news.